So tonight, um, oh, there it is. Uh, my message is pretty simple, belief. <sighs> a lot of you, most of you in this room know me pretty well, so you know that this is not a message about beating you up, to tell you to strive a little harder and try a little harder, to believe a little more so that you can turn things around. Because if, if that were the message, you would leave here more frustrated than you came. That's not the message. So, um, so I wanna, I'm going to unpack this a little bit tonight for you. And um, I want to start kind of where we just left off with that amazing song. Stephen, you said it was an amazing song. I really had never heard it until I downloaded it the other day. Um, but uh, I want to start first uh, with the heart of God. That's where we have to start and I just want to remind you of some things for your life that he, he invites each one of you to live in joy. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. So where are you going to get the joy? Yeah, from the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have to understand this is going to be a theme here tonight. Everything you need, he's already given you. All right? The joy of the Lord is your strength, right? That, this is his heart for you. Here's, here's another one that, he invites you, each one of you, to live in peace. How are you going to get that? Oh, Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. All right, this is where your peace is coming from. Let's look back at the Father again. He says he, he wants to invite you to live in rest. How many of you need rest? <laughs> Some of you just need to get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> and I bless you with good sleep tonight. I bless, seriously, I bless you with good sleep tonight. Good sleep tonight. You know, I'm going to just pray this because every time I do, I always hear from a handful of you saying, you have no idea how good I slept last night. So I am declaring over you that angels are going to minister to you. That you are going to fall asleep easily and soundly. Wow. And, and with a, even maybe with a little, little tiny grin on the side of your face. Because you know you're loved. And you're going to feel so secure in the Lord's arms. Especially after tonight. And I declare over you, you're going to have a solid, well, I'm going to say eight hours. Some of you, if you need more than you get more. As much sleep as you need, solid sleep, and where you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to feel refreshed. And as you wake up, because the Lord's been ministering to you all night, you're going to think about him first thing. And there's going to be another smile that comes on your face. And that's how you're going to start your day tomorrow. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I truly, I really truly believe this. I believe I have an anointing for what I just prayed over you. Because every time I do that, I always hear back from people like, I have not slept well in a long time, and man, did I sleep good last night. That's what's going to be your story. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, come to me, all you who are weary, uh, heavy, and feeling the weight of weariness, and I will give you, there's that word give again. I'm going to give you rest. Everything's a gift. Uh, Bill, you, you just said, you know, Jesus' house, he's welcoming us in, and there's, you don't pay for it. Every, I, you didn't say this, but I was thinking every single door is open, too. There aren't any locks on the doors, you know? Wander around. It's your house. Everything's given to you. All right. So 
Here's the next question, though. So we, we're promised, and you know, I could go on and on and on. I just gave you three examples. I'm, I'm right now just reflecting on the goodness of God's heart. This is his intent for us to live this way. This is the promise. This is the inheritance, right? So my question to you is, is this what you're experiencing? And if we had time and we passed the mic around, don't worry, don't get anxious. I'm not going to actually do this. Um, I would, you know, some of you would be going, yeah, pretty good. Others like, not so good at all. Probably most of you would say something like, "Um, not as much as I'd like. I'd like more rest, more peace, more joy, etc. Right? So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's this this, this, uh, battle going on. We want to experience these things. And I, I want to just say right here that uh, doubt wears us out. Because, because there's a key I'm going to get back to in just a minute. Like, how do we experience this then? If we're not always experiencing what, we're, what we'd like to. And notice I didn't say anything about circumstances at all. I said, but in the midst of life, he promises you can live with joy, with peace, with rest with goodness, with hope, all those things. But there's this thing, this doubt that just wears us out. And I would define doubt is our inability or our refusal sometimes to believe God, to believe how good he is, to believe what he says. All right? Now, now still you're thinking, okay, are, are you now laying this all back on me? We'll, we'll get there. So what is the key? The key is, hey, we just said to believe. The key is to believe, but to believe the goodness of God. He's, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. When we're in the places where we're not um, regularly practicing agreement, can I say it that way? When we're in those places, because I've been in those places where we're not regularly remembering how good he is, it seems like everything just gets heavier uh, joy is gone somewhere. Can I just tell you, even two days ago, I think, it was two days ago, maybe it was yesterday morning, it was yesterday morning, I was, I was preparing for this message, and, and I was, there was a bunch of things I was thinking about, nothing was really coming together, and I was sitting with the Lord, and all of a sudden, I, without realizing it, I was just like stewing over it. Well, what am I supposed to say? What do you want me to say? What, you know? And I, I'm like, all of a sudden I realized in that moment, wait a minute, I lost my joy. What is going on here? So pause button on preparing a message. (laughs) Everything we do, I'm going to show you in a minute, is secondary, even tertiary. You like that word? To, To the main thing, which is getting back into the truth of the heart of God. Because that's what flips everything back around again. And in my little vignette I just started to share with you, I stopped myself and I went, wait a minute. Father, you love me. Oh, man, I am so blessed as your son. And I started to just go there with him. And honestly, it was just a matter of in that moment, not always, doesn't work this way always, but within seconds, I'm just feeling his warmth, his pleasure, just that little joy tingle. I don't know. You can all explain it differently because he, he's, he responds, you know, we all feel him sense him a little bit differently. But suddenly, it had nothing to do with the message. It just had to do with 
remembering how good he is. And once I did that, oh my gosh, the rest, was, the rest just came. It was easy. Once I got back to remembering how good, good, good God is. So here's the thing, though. We all, we all would, would love to um, always remember how good God is and never get into those places of doubt and dreariness and all the rest, right? So, but, but how do we do that in the midst of the intersection, if you will, of our real lives, our messy lives? Can I just be real? Right? Because life gets messy at times, and it's not all fun. And things, you know, we, people that we love about and care about, things happening to them, things happening to us. And we start to lose, we start to forget, and we're like, oh, now we're back to, man, this is hard. This is hard. So I want to look at Abraham. We're going to look at Abraham for a few minutes. Um, this, is, this is so good. Where we're going to go, I'm going to show you just how real Abraham really was. Because we actually, honestly, we, we kind of uh, gloss over things, and we, we think that He's the father of faith, right? The father of faith. No. He's the father of faith. You, it's hilarious how he gets there, right? And that, and that God calls him that. And that when you read in Hebrews, which we're, uh, I don't know if we're going to look at Hebrews or not, but when you read in Hebrews chapter 11, where, where God says, and by faith, Abraham did this and this and this. Yeah. It just happens to skip all the other stuff where he wasn't feeling those things. He skips all of that. Don't you love God's heart for us? He's like, I saw that. I, I heard your yes. See, that's what he remembers. Now, it says in Romans 4, let me use Abraham as an example. It's clear that humanly speaking, he was the founder of Judaism. All right. What was his experience, though, of being made right with God? Was it by his good works of keeping the law? Now, isn't that a funny question? Abraham, the law wasn't even around when Abraham was here, was there. What's he, what's he talking about? Well, because he's talking to people who have been immersed in the law for a long time now. And they have totally substituted relationship with God by trying to be right, by perfectly keeping everything. And he says, all right, then, let's go back to Abraham. Do you think he did good works, you know, keeping the law? No, if it were by the things he did, if that's what made him right, then he would have something to boast about. But no one boasts before God. It's also in Ephesians 2. It's by grace we have been saved so that no one can boast. You didn't do a thing to save yourself. It was all him. You're like, yeah, but I said yes. You did. Who do you think inspired that yes? I hope you see where we're going to go over and over and over. He is astoundingly good. He is so much better than we give him credit for. I'm serious. Listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's words, his faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. See, you're going to say, see, it was his faith. Let's keep going. When people work... Any work? Any people work for a living out here? Okay. Some of you would like to be right <laughs> or, or have a better job. Those who, when people work, and I declare you'll have better jobs in Jesus' name, and you'll have work in Jesus' name. When people work, they earn wages. Can't be considered a free gift 
because they earned it. So when your boss, you know, hands you the check, you aren't like, what an amazing gift. I never saw this coming. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred um, from whom? Oh, from him. That's right. Everything's from him. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. Isn't that interesting? So when we're trying to earn something, when we go back into that work it phase, if I just do this, I'll be a better person, we kind of miss out on so many of the blessings. You're still blessed. Don't get me wrong. Never gives up on you. But when you said yes to Jesus, we forget this. We do. I do at times too. When we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to an exchange life. Remember? Our life and the best we could do with it, we aren't going to go there. For Jesus' life and everything he has done with it, it's his life in us, right? So, so now it says, it, we're, um, let me go back. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, but we believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. Why are, why are we righteous? Because he declared it. Ooh. Why are you righteous? Because God declared it. He decided that's what, he, that's what you were going to be. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense because I, I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, that would be everybody in this room, everybody in this room. And yet, in Christ, we are righteous. Why? Because we believed him. How did we believe him? Oh, that's kind of a mystery. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Because it was fixed. Okay. All right. So we believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It's faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. So that's where it's listed in Romans. If you go to, back to where it came from, this is in Genesis 15. This is kind of the punchline. Yahweh took Abram outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to, if you're able to count them. And he said, the Lord says to Abram, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed. Then Abram believed in the Lord, and, he, and the Lord reckoned it to Abraham, Abram as righteousness. Now, that is the only verse we have that explains that transaction. Do you see what I mean? It's the only verse. And Abraham believed in the Lord. You have, you have no idea whatsoever was there any conversation did did was there any what happened was there any process oh just believe the lord there there is a process let me show you let me show you the process because it makes this story in my opinion so much better what i want to do is tell you a little bit of the backstory there is a backstory to this what i just read was genesis 15 but if you hop back three chapters to Genesis 12, this is the first time that Abraham, uh, that the Lord, I guess, introduces himself to Abraham. Some Abram. I want to keep saying that right. His name became Abraham later. I can explain that tonight or another time, depending on how the Holy Spirit leads. Anyway, Abram, back in chapter 12, the Lord in, basically introduces himself to him and says, Hey, I want you to, I want you to take your family, and I want you to go to another country, and he, and he does it, which is pretty amazing. 
And the Lord makes him a promise even back then that I'm going to bless you. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to you know, have, be the father of many nations. He's not really understanding this, and it's going to come from your offspring. He's like, hmm, well, that's interesting. But since I'm just really getting to know this Lord, and um, I, I would love to have known just exactly how it all happened, but, but now Abram, Abram is saying, um, he's saying, well, I'm, I believe he's, he's living it out and saying, well, let's see. I'm, I'm following the Lord. He happened to think that I'm okay and happened to make me promises that I could have never earned. That's a pretty good deal. So he starts to live this out, right? So Genesis 15, though, is two years later. There's a lot of time that, by the way, that passes in this whole promise. Two years later is where we get to where Abram believes God. But there's something before this, and I, I have it Oh, here. In the beginning of chapter 15, there's, a, there's something that comes before it. First of all, this is before Abram, Abram believes God, before God says, look at the stars. God comes to Abram in a vision, and the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Interesting. Why would God say, don't be afraid? Because he was afraid. Are you getting that? You have to read between the lines. I'm just, I'm just interpreting something really obvious. Because we don't, like, what was he afraid of? How about that he took his family and he left and went to a different country? He left, or he left family behind too and took some of his family. But, but he left everything to follow a God who said there's a promise. Now it's two years later. They're already really old. No, no baby in sight. What if, what if I'm making this whole thing up? I'm, what if... What if, what if I really didn't talk to God? What if that was me? I'm not saying anybody in this room would ever have any of those thoughts. What if, we're just keeping it real here. What if, what if, what if, this is another what if, what if it is God, but he isn't going to come through like he said? Anyone? Wouldn't that be like one more Huge disappointment heaped on my plate. There's a lot of reasons why he might be afraid. For, for you know, what might people think? I, I kind of laid myself on the line here. So that was the first thing that the Lord says to him is don't be afraid. The very next thing that he says to Abram is, I am your shield and your very great reward. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield I'm your very great reward. What does God do? As long as we stay engaged with him, even if we're in a bad place, even if we're afraid, even if we're doubting, he starts to show himself to you again. This is who I am. He didn't restate the promise yet to Abram. He said, look at me. Look again. Look closer. Okay, that was for all you Disney lovers. All right. Rafiki, look closer. He's like, look at me. This is who I am. I'm your shield. I'm the one who's going to protect you. And 
I'm your great reward. And you guys, this is, this is so the key. And I, I just think, I think you preached this message again, Stephen, in one sentence when you said, don't ask all the why questions, just love him. That's what, that's what the Lord's saying right now is, I am your great reward. Look at me again. I'm it. And, and even when we started Blazing Fire, we, we, Suzanne and I through, you know, sobbing through tears, and God's reminding us a lot lately of all the promises again. But, but on the one hand, we, man, we have signed up for, and we, have, we are still going to see amazing revival. The Lord is going to so pour out his spirit. There's things he's promised me. There's huge harvest coming, and that's not going to, that, that is still going to happen. But I also want to say, when, when we were sobbing on the floor with the Lord before, before we even started this church, we were saying, God, all we want is you. We just want your presence. We don't, I'll just speak for both of us, but we never signed up to, to do for, for this, you know, for the kingdom and, and what we're doing. We didn't sign up for this to have meetings. We signed up for this to, to meet with God to encounter God, to be part of a huge move of God. But it starts with encountering him. It starts with enjoying him. So that's what he's saying to Abram. Now, what is his response? His response is very interesting. Now he's saying, awesome, but I don't get it. I don't see how it's going to happen. Because, yeah, I'm kind of old. And by now, I don't know, what is he, 87, something like that. I mean, I 70, I don't remember. Late 70s, 80s. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't rem- I don't remember that detail right now, but he's pretty old. Sarah's right up there with him, and he's like, yeah, I don't see this one, God. How about if, how about if, you know, it, it happens through, through one of my servants, so I'll, I'll give the inheritance that way. That must be what you meant. You ever find ourselves, you know, reinterpreting God because it's not working out just the way we thought, right? And so... He, God says, no, that's not the plan. No, I'm going to do this through you. You're going to have a child. This is when Abram says, how can I know for sure? They go through the whole process of covenant, which is cutting the animals in two. I'm not going to get into all that tonight. That's not my message. But, but in the end, I will say this is the, this is the kicker of, of why God made a covenant. When Abram said, how can I know that this is really going to happen? God makes a promise with himself that he can't break. He makes the covenant with himself. In other words, he's on both sides of the handshake. And he says, this seals it. And we're part of that covenant. Do you understand that? We're still part of that covenant today. Through Christ, it says in the book of Galatians, Christ is the one that carried on the whole covenant. In Abram, everything is ours that was promised to him. Blessing that the nations are going to come to the Lord. That we're going we're gonna to father nations. Father and mother, we're going to father nations. This is, this is still, we're still part of that plan. So, so here, there's the, the, the backstory is that, is that in a nutshell, Abraham, Abram was on Struggle Street. He was. He was doubting still. He was. Even though the covenant was made, he was still like, yeah. And then we know the whole thing with Hagar and Ishmael and all of that, right? Isn't, doesn't it make you feel good to know that the father of faith, 
was on Struggle Street for years. I mean, doesn't that, I don't know, maybe it doesn't make you feel good. It just makes, it just helps you understand we're all in the same boat and we all have the same Savior who happens to see things very differently than we do about ourselves. He sees a very different you than you see. Oh, that's just a really good word right there. Let me just say that again. He sees a very different you than you see. He does. <laughs> yeah. Let me see where we are here. Okay. And we know, let me just finish the story before I move on. And we know that he does say what happens in that moment when, he say, when it says, and Abram believed, believed God, believed the Lord. I believe right there is a miraculous moment. I really do. He's got struggle street for two years since God made the promise. And if you read the story, he has another struggle street for another couple decades before baby Isaac comes along. What happened in that moment? Have any of you ever been hijacked by the Lord to say yes to him? I have many times. What do I mean by hijacked? He's loving. He doesn't make you do things. That would be manipulative. I get that. But as you've heard many times in here, he is Jehovah sneaky, which means you're crying to him. And this is what Abram did. I love in this story that he says, God, I don't get it. I don't see it happening. Thank you, Abram. Thank you for actually showing us what it's like to be real with God. That's what he wants. He wants you to be real. I don't get it, Lord. Where's the promise? But as you keep your heart tender, something happens. For me, it's usually with some tears and some snot. But something happens. And somewhere along the way, I'm saying... Oh, God, you're so good. Yes, yes, Lord, yes, I'll stay in the game. Yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'm your son. I'm not going anywhere. He does that with us. And I believe, if you notice in that story, Abram, it's, it's not so much that suddenly he has this firm conviction of how it's all going to play out. Because if he did, the whole Hagar-Ishmael thing would have never happened. He doesn't. That's not what this is. But suddenly he knows somehow that God is good. That God really is who he said he was. That God really is that covenant maker, covenant keeper. It's, he starts to know in whom he believes. And I want to tell you, this is the big deal. Here, here's... 2 Timothy, this is Paul, 2 Timothy 1.12. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that final day. This is Paul. Paul had a lot of things on his plate. He had a lot of things he wanted to accomplish, if you will, if we're going to use today's language, meaning he wanted to see Jesus known throughout the known world, right? And I, I have no doubts in believing that Paul actually thought he could reach the whole world for Jesus. I just feel like that's the kind of guy he was. He's like, you give me enough days, it's going to happen. But what does he say? I, he doesn't, he's not talking about 
his assurance in what God has him doing. He's, his assurance is in who, whom? It's Jesus. He's like, I know this man. He's worth living for. He's worth dying for. He's worth everything I have. I know him. And I want to say to all of us, this is a time, if there ever was a time, to really know his heart. And I want to say this is, this is going to be the key. Anything, where any place you're struggling, any place you're struggling, this is going to be the key out of that struggle. I, I know it is. We keep thinking, if I just get the right answer, if I just get this many dollars, uh, fill in the blank. You know, if, if I could just um, reconcile with that one person, that would be it. Life would be great. My problems would be solved. Well, until the next problem, right? In other words, this is not a downer message. This is, this is being real and saying, this is the key to your joy, to your happiness, to your you know, to the peace, to the rest. You all said you wanted rest. His name is Jesus. He came to show us the Father who's given us all things. And the only thing that's keeping us away from that is, is our either inability or unwillingness at times to agree with just how astoundingly good he is. I, I'll, just quick story, like, because it just came to me right now, but, but, when, when, even when people that you really love leave and go be with the Lord, what's going to console you when it's someone very, very close to you? And many of you, all of you, have lost someone very close to you. Well, ultimately, it's going to be the Lord. And I, I remember times uh, I, when Steve, Carla's Steve, when, when Steve McCree went to be with the Lord, that was shocking. And we were, you know, crying a bunch those first couple days. Well, a lot more than a few days. But I'm just saying this first, you know, the first time when we were talking about it. And yet, over, in a very short time, shorter time, God started to bring around the joy and the peace. And suddenly there was something going on inside it, it was still sad, but the joy was returning. The joy was coming back. And this is what he does over and over and over again. Whatever you think it is that where your life is over because this has happened, don't listen to that. That's the enemy. And, yeah, I don't want to go there too much, but don't listen to the lies of, of it's not worth it. You know, this is it. It's too much. Oh, my goodness. Every single time, just turn to the Lord. Turn to him. Just love him. He already loves you. He's going to walk you through it, whatever it is. So I, I, want, to share, um, I want to share a few minutes of this with you. This is Graham Cook and Ruth Fazal did a, a track called The Nature of God. There's a reason why, though. The nature of God. Graham, Ruth does the... Does the um, violin in the background. Graham does the words. It's a 20 minute long clip. I highly recommend. It's on YouTube. So you don't even have to buy it. It's, I would highly recommend you listen to this. 
It's 20 minutes long, but we're not going to listen to all 20 minutes. I, I picked five minutes of it, of, of some of my, of my favorite part. No, that's not true, because it's all my favorite. But anyway, I picked, picked a five-minute section. But why? this is why I want to share this with you, because of what it means to me. This track became extremely instrumental to my healing when, when Suzanne and I went through a very, very broken place, had to do with a, a previous church and some things that just kind of fell apart. And it was devastating. I don't want to go into all that right now. It was devastating, though. And, it, and it, uh, we were extremely disillusioned. We were asking the question, Lord, what next? What do you want us to do? Anyone ever feel this? Lord, what next? Something crashes and burns, and you're like, and, and, even, and sometimes we have a, even have a part to play in why it crashed and burned. You know what I mean? Like we're all still growing in maturity and we're not. Anyway, all I'm saying is we, we, sometimes we even contribute to why something doesn't go well. And then we really think it's all over. And so we were in that place and we were asking God, what do you want? We were willing to stay in church ministry, be pastors, if that's what he wanted. But honestly, we were so broken that if he didn't want that, that was actually pretty okay with us too. But then we still really had no idea what the heck we were going to do, right? So enter Graham Cook through this CD. It was a CD I had at the time. Remember those? Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, those round things. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had it right next to my eight-track tape player. Yeah. Anyway. Eight-track. Now I know I lost people in the room. Anyway. Um, when, so when this all happened, we felt completely devastated. And we start, we somehow, I don't know how we found this other than the Lord. And, we, and I heard this thing, and it, and it was like, Honestly, honestly, it was like water after being in the desert for days. And just, it was like, is, is that possible? Is it possible that God can be this good? I remember thinking that, I mean, so many times. We listened to this track. I remember was just, just laying down on the bed, just going, uh, and then just turning it on and listening. And, and life started coming into us, and joy started returning. But it didn't happen, like, all at once. It was very progressive. It's kind of like that. It was... It was... <laughs> I think it's time to party. It was... <laughs> it was very progressive. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Do you see how grace works? Grace is so good. Because I need grace, so it's just so easy to give it. But honestly, I, I kid you not, in those couple months, we listened to this, I, I'm going to tell you a hundred times, and that might be actually, I'm like not an exaggeration, a couple times a day sometimes. Because I never got tired of it. It was just filled with truth, and it was all about who God was, who he is, and how he never changes. So I want, I just and as I was listening to it, here's another thing the Lord's been doing in me. I told you he's like been reigniting and retenderizing and kind of he's been reminding me these last, this last week, especially even the last few days, last week or two, reminding me of so many different parts of my life where he's been faithful, where he has 
saved me, where he has forgiven me, where he has promised things to me for this region. And, there, and you know what's happening is there's fresh life on it. In other words, I've told these stories so many, you know how when you tell a story a bunch of times, you kind of lose the feeling behind it because you've told it so much, right? And that's the way it's been with a lot of my stories. Well, all of a sudden, he's bringing it back up, but I'm feeling it all again. And when I turn this on, it all came back. I'm like, I'm feeling this again. Like, he's so good. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Let's listen to it. Yeah, relax if you want. Five minutes of the goodness of God. We rest in your nature. For me, Father, you are the kindest person I have ever known. You're the happiest person I know. You're the most consistent person we have ever dealt with. You never change. Everything comes down to us from this Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. You say with absolute confidence, I am the Lord. I change not. I am the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And beloved, we are learning to live in the paradox of God. To know that He is consistent, but He's also unpredictable. He's consistent in His nature. You always know where you are with God. You seldom know what He's going to do next. But you always know where you are with God. Because he never changes. When Moses said, God, please show me your glory. Maybe he was expecting some great light and display of power. And God just looked at him and smiled and said, Okay then, I'll cause all my goodness to pass before you. Because the glory of God is the nature of God. That God is good. He's good. He's good. He's unfailingly good. He's good. He's good. God is good. He's good. He's good. And He never changes. He'll always be good. Yesterday he was good, today is good, tomorrow he will be good. And it's your destiny to have the goodness of God pass before you. You'll never change. You always know where you are with him. He never changes. He is consistent, the most consistent person ever who will never change his heart towards you, no matter what you do. He cannot be anything other than what he is. He's a covenant maker and a covenant keeper. And he's good. Our God is consistent. But he's also unpredictable. 
You never know what God's going to do next. You always know what he's going to be like. You never know what he's going to do next. And God has called you to see the invisible and do the impossible. God has not called you to do the things that you can do. He's called you to do the things that you'll never be able to do in a million years. You're not able to do what God has called you to do. Only he can do it. But he's called you to live in his faithfulness. He's called you to live in his consistency. That he will come and do all the things that need to be done. So beloved, you cannot find security in what God is doing. Because God commits you to the impossible. He asks you to see the invisible. He calls you to do the outrageous. There is no security in that place. There is no security in what God is doing. There is only security in who God is. This great God that we serve will throw us into situations beyond us with no other thought than that His great heart will sustain us. And the answer of God to everything, every excuse you want to make why you cannot do something, the answer is always the same. When you look into his face and you see the twinkle in his eye and the grin on his face and he looks at you and he says, nevertheless, I will be with you. That's that's his only answer to human weakness. It's okay. I'll be there. He is the great God who sends us out as lambs amongst wolves. Why? Because the lion is padding by our side. (sighs) Gets me every time. Still... Did you, you know the line I loved right there? I loved them all, but you cannot do what God has called you to do. (laughs) Only God can do it. That is exactly the story of Abraham, and that is our story. And every time we get in trouble, it's because we think it was supposed to be all about us. (laughs) Oh, that's actually tremendously freeing. Where, where else do we, who else do we learn this from? There's this guy, Jesus, who perfectly displayed everything for us. Jesus knew his father like this, and so he was able to say, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. This is Jesus in humanity, perfectly yielded to the Holy Spirit, intimate with the father, there's the key. And he says, I can't do anything by myself. I'm giving you a huge clue here. He says, <laughs> you can't do anything by yourself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. I've been making this more of my prayer lately over and over. Because I believe this, is, this wasn't just a prayer for Jesus. This is how we're supposed to live. This was our invitation. Remember, he lived the life 
as a human, fully submitted to the Holy Spirit, fully intimate with the Father, and saying, this is what life looks like. By, by God's grace, we don't have to go to the cross. That was a once and for all. But his life on the earth was lived for us to see what life was supposed to be like. Oh, man. I just want to go back still. Father, I just feel like we're... Yeah, there was just tenderness. I, I don't know how many of you are feeling that, you know, as we were listening to the nature of God. But he is good. Father, you are good. You are good. You are so good. We trust you. We do. (laughs) We trust you. (laughs) Whatever you're going through, the Lord says to you, I've got this. And I've got you. And I'm good. I am good. I'm good. (sighs) Thank you, Father. We're we're going somewhere soon with this tonight. I I feel, I really um, believe that this is going to be significant night for many of you tonight. Um, But before I go there, let me just, I'm going to kind of land the plane with this. What, what, with this next series of things, what, what you believe about God and his nature is the big deal. What you believe about God, who he is, that is the big deal. What you believe about who God says you are comes next. See, so often we're looking for identity and all that, and we need that desperately. But I am saying, unless you first settle in your heart who he is, then whatever he has to say about you will actually not impact you very much. To the degree, if we think he's unsafe, if we think he's unkind, if we think some very wrong things about him, then we won't believe what he has to say about us either. And then what you do is simply an expression of who God has made you to be as you display his nature. And and most of the time, I'm just going to say when I'm struggling, it's because I've jumped to number three and I don't have answers but I've forgotten primarily, number one, who, his nature, how good he is, and then also what he says about me. Once I go back to that, once I go back to the first two, honestly, number three often kind of just fades away. It's like sometimes it's not even important anymore. Either that or he starts you know, showing me some things, some next steps, whatever it is. But we've so much made our lives about what we're doing, and we keep trying to find our, our worth in what we're doing. And that is a losing battle. So how do you win? (laughs) Remember the nature of God. (laughs) 
Remember how good he is. Remember how much he loves you. Remember how tender he is. Right? So here's some questions just to get you to think about this. And there's a reason why I'm doing this. So God is good all the time, right? All the time, right? Okay. Is there any part of you that doesn't fully believe that? Thank you for your realness, Todd. Uh, of course, there are some times where we're struggling with that. But we always want to say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? And just that we're not always feeling that. It is a true statement. Absolutely, it's true. So next, que- next part, then, have an honest talk with God. This is what we learned from Abram. This is what we learned from Jesus. Have an honest talk with God about it and keep your heart open to what he might show you. Even Jesus in the garden shows us that. Be real. Be real. I think there's a lot more times than just in the garden where Jesus was real. We are not privy to all those times when he got up early. You know, I'm just saying, I don't think it was only in the garden, but I'm saying we know there because it's written for us. So have an honest talk with God about it. Keep your heart open to what he might show you. That's the key to all this because he's the one that's going to flip things around for you again, right? So similar questions here. Jesus has already won the victory, right? Of course he has. But when your heart's not sure, be real. Talk to him about it. Jesus is on the throne and we are seated with him, right? That is a true statement. Man, do we not always feel that. So the times when you don't, have a talk. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He starts and finishes it, right? Yes. Same thing. If you're not feeling it, talk with God. But by the way, this is the proof text for what I was saying earlier about Abram, that that was a miracle moment. And I believe, and I know, every single one of you, when you said yes to Jesus, that was a miracle moment. That was the greatest miracle of your life. We say that because it's true, because everything changed, right? I'm telling you, it was a miracle in that God had a hand in it that you never saw supernaturally that somehow brought that to pass. How do I know that? Well, Jesus starts our faith. He finishes it. Everything is a gift from God, including our faith. It's true. Here's another one. What God started in us, he will bring to completion, right? Yes. All things are working for our good, right? Yes. God supplies all of our needs, right? (laughs) These are all out of scripture. You know that, right? God only has plans <laughs> to prosper us and not to harm us, right? God only has plans to give us hope in a future, right? Yes. That's why the promises are so good. They're so good to keep going back to them. But I am also saying, and we are human, which means we struggle. And he knows it. And he doesn't love you less. And he's not ticked off with you. And he's not like, like rolling his eyes or tapping his finger on the table and going, when are you going to get it? No, he's good. He's good, he's good, he's good. So, tonight, um, tonight I want to, we're going to end on a very high note. Um, Rosh Hashanah, this is, these are, these are the uh, three Jewish um, holidays, thank you, that are coming up in the next few days. Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. It's 5779. 
there's a lot of significance behind that. I did chose tonight purposely not to go into all that, but but there is very much significance in every G- Jewish year. Um, it starts sundown tomorrow night. Now, why would this be important for us? You know, a few of you in this room might have some Jewish blood, probably do. Uh, but most of us are not. And we also know from Paul, Paul says we're not bound by the holidays, the traditions, like you don't have to keep those in order to be right with God. I totally agree. So why am I bringing this up? Because there's also a timing that is undeniable where, where the Jewish calendar, God seems to do things. In heaven there is an order, and it seems to fall along the lines of these dates a lot more than, we, than, than coincidence would ever, you know, account for. Something about that. And, and last year, I know I shared this with you, I, for, for God's reasons, he started getting us to pay attention, us, Suzanne and I. And we, on Rosh Hashanah, we, I actually brought out my shofar, which I will be blowing in a little bit. And we... Are you laughing at me? Okay, um, blow the sh- we blew the shofar that night. We made some declarations. And then comes the 10 days of awe, which is the next 10 days after tomorrow night, starting tomorrow night, going 10 days until the evening of the 19th, which is the, the last day of the Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement, September 18th and 19th. Now, we, all, we know that Jesus, we, every day is Day of Atonement for us. Right? I mean, Jesus atoned for our sins. We are free. So we don't have one day of atonement. But, but remember, all the holidays, everything was pointing to Jesus. Obviously, the fulfillment was in Jesus. But why, why would you do this? What is the 10 days of all? What is this? Well, uh, traditionally, let me just say traditionally for Jews, this is about repentance. It's about forgiveness. But let me tell you why. It has to do with um, Preparing your heart in those 10 days, they believe that Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year. And preparing your heart in those 10 days to receive all that God has for you in the next year. So it's a year. So that's why every, it's annual. It's every year. Do you do it again? Now, we could say we are free from that in Christ because we can talk to him anytime. With the, 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 um, Right? You know, the veil is torn. We, we get right in. So, and I, I totally agree with that. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't just have to wait for 10 days to get things right, you know? But last year, in my spirit, God was saying, pay attention. So we did. And in those 10 days, some of the things that we did, which we are going to do some things again this year, these 10 days, is we worshiped every day. We'd worship a lot of days anyway, but we, we worshiped every single day together. We uh, read the scriptures every day. We went, to, we went back into our words, our old prophetic words, and said, Lord, bring them to life again. It's a time of letting God take a look at anything he wants to show you. And I would say especially, because he might show you things like, is there still unforgiveness with someone? Do you still have bitterness? Is there still, uh, do you still have judgments against people? 
Sometimes we think, I don't need to forgive anyone. But, but if you just ask the Lord a little bit and just wait a little bit. Say, do I have any judgments against someone? He just showed me a couple tonight in worship. Ones that I would not have even remembered or thought I had. And it's not like he's, I don't want mean to say he's keeping track of sin in the sense of you're in trouble and this is going to, you know, you're going to have issues when you get to heaven. That's not what I mean at all. He's saying, I want you to be so free and there's some things in your heart you don't even know are holding you back. But I love you enough. And since you're asking, Brent, let me just show you a couple things. And it's as easy as forgiveness, repentance, you know, just, Lord, I don't want this. Forgive me. I, I release them. I release the judgment. It's that simple. It really is that simple because everything is by a choice. It's by your will that you're agreeing with God. So I'm just saying, if you should cho- so choose, if nothing else, even if you don't want to look at the Jewish significance of it, to take 10 days to actually just give God a lot of space is a great thing to do because things will happen, <laughs> guaranteed. You might want to take communion Every, every day for 10 days. We, that's what we plan to do this year for, for sure. So um, just suggestions. You, you be led by the Spirit. But I thought it was important enough to say that. And one of the things that Doug Addison brought up in his, on his website, um, for those of you that, you know, Doug's a prophet friend of the house here. He, he brings these uh, Jewish holidays up a lot. It's not Jewish, but he brings these up when they come up because the Lord told him the same thing. And interestingly, you guys know Doug, Doug is a times and seasons prophet. And a lot of this started to come alive when he started paying attention to these seasons. Isn't that interesting? But Doug says on his website, he says, um, I, uh, he says the Lord showed him that this was going to be a restoration of things that we lost seven years ago which would be 2011. I'm just sharing that in case it speaks to some of you. For us, we went back to our journals, and boy, oh boy, was a lot taken away in 2011. I won't go into all the details, but it was. And, and so here's the thing, though. When, even if something like this starts to hit your heart or you start thinking about it, you still have to do something with it. What do I mean? You have to engage with God. Remember, we, I just kept telling you over and over, be real with him, talk to him. In this case, we went for a walk uh, a couple nights ago after we had just heard this word from Doug. All of a sudden, I went back to my journals and I went, wow, wow, wow. Uh, this is extremely significant. And we went out and walked and started to declare everything that was coming back to us sevenfold. All the things that were, were stolen and taken from us from, by the enemy not by the Lord. So again, for some of you, maybe this is a stretch. I'd say to you, don't worry about it. I would say, go back to Stephen's message and just love Jesus. That's a great thing to do, right? For some of you, if this is, you know, touching your spirit, if this is, if the Lord, last year, I feel like the Lord tapped on my shoulder. He's more than tapping on my shoulder about it this year. So I'm just saying, if some of you, if this happens to resonate with you, then do something about it and ask him, what to do, all right? But are you kind of getting the idea? And it's, you know, it's, it's anyway, okay. I think I explained it. All right, tonight, um, hopefully the kids are coming in because I'm ready to go. Okay, good. Whoa, I almost threw over phones and things and such. Um, first of all, let me, let me show you, oh, thanks, Russ. Let me show you um, this little guy. 
This is a little shofar, like the one in the picture. These are so much harder to blow than these. Because the mouthpiece is like teeny tiny. And so that means you have to go really tiny. But I'm going to play it for you just because I can. And then, because I'm really going to play the other one in a minute. But this, let me see if I can do it. And then we also have a remembrance of a dog we used to have a long time ago who thought it was a bone and ate this little part of it. So, <laughs> See, there's, there's little vignettes, life vignettes everywhere we look. <laughs> God is involved in our real lives. Did you know that? Every part of it. So tonight, I believe it's very significant. Uh, we, we all love the, the new year, you know, January 1st, our our whatever, Greco-Roman calendar year, whatever that is. We like that because why? Because it feels like a fresh start, right? Well, guess what? That was, this came long before that calendar and this is your fresh start. It's coming, it's coming tomorrow night, but it, there's always that feeling. We always have a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. That's always true. But there is something about this where God says, tell you what, if you're feeling like, like you just need a reset button, let's go for it. Let's use any excuse to go for it. Because he, he, already, he already accepts you. He already loves you. And there are things he is trying to tell us to get ready for. There's things in our hearts he's trying to show us. Because he loves us so much. Because there are great things coming. He's like, come on, kids. Come on. I, I'm going to help you do this. All right? So tonight, we're going to, we're, we're going to read through. In just a moment, we didn't do the declarations earlier because we're going to do them now. Right? I got, I don't know, maybe four or five slides of declarations. Starting with, the first slide is all about the declarations of the, we are agreeing again with what I said earlier about when I said God's, um, you know, Jesus is on the throne, right? You know, all those rights. We're going to actually declare them as statements. We're going to start with those, all right? And then we're going to go from there. In the end, on the last one, when we're, uh, you're going to know it's the last one because we're going to talk, talk about the shofar and we're going to end with hallelujah. I really do want you to, to give a, a victory shout. I'm, I'm going to be blowing the shofar at that point. Okay? So it's going to get loud because this is loud. It's really good loud, but it's loud. And it's supposed to be. Shofar, this was a, a, a weapon of, of worship and a weapon of warfare. And it still is. There's something about sound that goes way beyond what we really understand and how it works in the kingdom. And so one of the reasons we're doing this is because we're declaring the truth of everything we're about to say and that God really is this good. And he really is turning our lives around. We're going to make some really positive declarations, okay? And then we're going to, you guys are going to shout at the end, I'm going to blow the show far. After that, um, I'm going to, after that, we're going to have communion and a fire tunnel, At the end of the fire tunnel, I'm going to ask at least one or two prayer teams to be over here if you need prayer for healing. And Stephen, if you'd be willing, and with anyone, if, if you, surely if you want to join them or whatever, but if you would be one of the prayer teams over here since the Lord just miraculously healed you, I think that would be awesome. After, after you go through the line, okay? Um, and uh, let me just say this too. Even though 
you know, Tina's going to be playing some lively music while this is going on, when, while, as we're going through the line, communion. Communion, then I'm going to blow the shofar over each one of you, actually, as long as my mouth holds out. Um, if it doesn't, I'll still do this. And that counts, okay. Um, <laughs> just means I won't do a long blaster for every one of you, otherwise I would never last. It's called ambiture. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, you can take communion. I'm going to blow shofar over you. You're going to go through a fire tunnel. This is like, this is all about refreshing, renewing, restoring, breakthrough, new beginnings, new choices that he's going to help you make. And then healing if you would like that. All right. And so um, after, after the shout, I'm going to ask that all the leaders that are helping me to, um, helping to do the fire tunnel and all that, I actually want you to, normally we just do the fire tunnel first, but I actually want you to line up first because I want you to take communion and have a shofar blown over you before you actually line up. Then the rest of you can line up behind them. All right? Was that way too much instruction? That's okay. All right. Uh, here we go. What's that? Yeah. So would everyone stand? And I'm even going to ask right now, Holy Spirit, you are the one that you are the one that makes everything real for us. You are the one that that brings truth. And Jesus said you're going to bring the fullness of truth that Jesus couldn't even share everything. So what I'm saying is this. He couldn't share everything when he was here on the earth. And he said, he said, you were coming, Holy Spirit. I'm asking right now that you would bring this, this truth, the truths we're about to, to say. Lord, don't let it just be words coming off our lips, empty and dry. Let them come, Lord, from the wellspring of life within us. And Lord, let our ears hear what we're saying and go even deeper into our hearts. And Lord, while we're at it, I also just invite all the just realms, angels, the angels to come and to worship with us and to declare truth with us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oops, going back. I say it is well with my soul. God is good all the time. Jesus has already won the victory. Jesus is on the throne, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. What God started in us, he will bring to completion. All things are working for our good. God does supply all of our needs according to the riches that are ours in Christ. God does have plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. I am the head and not the tail. The Lord my God is bringing me up and is turning things around in my life. I will taste and see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will taste of the sweetness of the Lord. He is turning all of my bitter into sweet. I will fully experience the promises of his word. I decree 
a restoration of all that was lost and stolen from me and my family. Whatever the thief tried to take from my finances, my health, my ministry, and my business, I take it back now, and I receive my restoration today in Jesus' name. I decree a spirit of restitution to take over in Jesus' name. The enemy will pay back seven times over and even more. The Lord says, I am making all things new. I am a new creation. I am coming into a new shift and alignment in the spirit. I am entering into the best year of my life yet. I am going to experience more joy, peace, and rest than any other time in my life. I will have the most outlandish encounters and experiences with the Holy Spirit. 5779 is my year in Jesus' name. I am entering into the greatest breakthrough of my life. I am the shofar of the Lord. I am the trumpet of the Holy Spirit. The Lord is about to release a blast of breakthrough into my spirit and out of me. In Jesus' name, I will praise and shout aloud because of the wonderful works of the Lord. Hallelujah! Yeah, so if I could have, I want to encourage you, you don't have to do this, but man, I would do this if I were you. So Tina, if you could do the music, um, all the, the elders, overseers, next gen, the ones I talked to, come on through, Stephen and, and Shirley, come on through first. Yeah, and prayer team people, especially if you're going to be over here. I know it might be a bunch of you, that's okay. Let's let them go first. Let's go ahead and crank the music on, and the rest of you can start lining up behind them. <laughs> 